You are now listening to Uninformed Consent, where we provide uninformed information to an informed population. My name is Demonte Whiting. My name is Eric Cruz, and we will be your hosts for this evening. And today's topic is how to let go of the past. Uh, so, Demonte, what do you, what do you think about the topic of how to let go of the past? We kind of just you know came up with this one on the fly today, and I, and I'm wondering right. what are your thoughts on it. Well, tell me your thoughts. How'd you come up with it? Well, I have to do a webinar on it, actually, for <laughs> uh, next week. And okay. I thought this was a good way to kill two birds with one stone. And and it's interesting for me, actually, um, when I think of, like, how do you let go of the past? Like, I'm, I'm going to have people, you know, listening to this podcast today or coming to that webinar next week and asking me, how do I, how do I let go of the past? And the short answer is... I don't think you can, like, to okay. be honest with you, I don't think it's possible. I think you can like loosen your grip, but okay. I don't think you can fully let go because I think your past is largely responsible for shaping you into the person you are today. And short Got of it. like, I don't know, doing a lobotomy or getting brain damage, <laughs> Like, I don't know how you could fully let go of it. Fully let go of it. Okay. So when you think of let go of the past, you think of like just letting it all go and being able to move forward with a fresh start. Yeah. You're saying that that's not really possible because that past is what creates you, creates who you are right now. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. I think when I hear let go of the past, what what I heard was uh, being able to move forward in Mm -hmm. life and not not let the past drag you down in a sense. Mm -hmm. So. My answer to that would be, uh, in order to let go of the past, you have to first confront what the past was. So, uh, for example, if I had problems, let's say, with my dad growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Then, in order, if that's something that's constantly dragging on me throughout my life, I'm not really letting it go. Um, But so, in order to do that, I would then have to confront him on whatever it is that's bothering me. Because when you go back to the source and you, you address that source, then you kind of like you kind of get rid of a lot of the stuff that created it in the first place. And then I think you're able to move on and go forward. Maybe you don't let it go completely, but it's not weighing you down anymore. It's not like a bag, a backpack that you carry. Like I'll give an example too outside of people. When I was in a hospital, right? So we talked about before I had cancer when I was younger. Right. I was in a hospital and I don't think I realized how traumatizing experience that was until after I left the hospital. Um there were certain things I couldn't be around, certain sights I couldn't see, and certain uh, smells I couldn't I couldn't handle because it all reminded me of being there. Uh, and that lasted for at least a good year or so um, after I left. And then what I had to do was go back. And so I went back to the hospital. I went back on several times actually, uh, and just walked down the halls that I lived the hall that I lived on, walked around, saw the same faces that I saw before, smelled the same smells that I smelled before and then it's it sucked it was a it was a weird experience but after i went through it they didn't have the same effect on me as they had before it still existed but i had overcome whatever it is that wherever that trauma was that that i was carrying around with me so for you uh uh, for you going back to the hospital a year later was like confronting the past right because all the things that i had experienced like i had a i had a in my head, I had an image of what the hospital meant, being in the hospital, what that meant. And mm-hmm. for me, that meant that meant death. 
that meant uh, people dying around me, that meant fear, that meant mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And so it wasn't until I went back that I realized it's just a hospital. Okay. And and you so, it, and yeah, and what did it mean now? So you say it's just a hospital. So if hospitals hospital. are death and fear and illness, then what are they? It's a hospital. <laughs> okay. What does that mean, though? You know? Well, yeah. because we tend, to, we tend to place things on, when we have like traumatic upbringings or um, deal with a lot of things when we grow up, we tend to attach, we tend to attach feelings and emotions to things that are not, that are not really real. Like I had a session a while back with some, with some clients and I brought a, a PlayStation 3 controller, right? With me. Mm -hmm. And I sat it on the table and I said, when you look at this, what does that mean to you? And then when, and then I see these people smiling. I see some people frowning. One person said, Oh, that reminds me of when I was five years old playing games with my brother and we had so much fun. Another person said, like, my dad used to beat me with a controller. Ooh. And so, you know what I mean? So, like, when I think about it, I have, like, negative feelings towards it. And then we process all of that. And then the end result was, at the end of that, what we talked about was that the fact that it was just a controller. Yep. And everything else was what they put on that controller based on their mm -hmm. experience. Yep. But it's so hard that's to what let... I think. Go ahead. But, but it's so hard to let go of that fully. So the thing that I always yeah. think about is, like, um, you know, we are hardwired. We're designed to predict the future based on the past, right? That's a survival mechanism, right? Like mm -hmm. you don't touch fire because you know it burns. That's how you learn about the world around you. And you're like, that's dangerous. This is safe, right? Right. And, and so you need that moving forward. And so it's hard to like, the well, the problem here is, is that the future doesn't always resemble the past and things that were dangerous in the past aren't necessarily going to be always dangerous in the future. And sure. it takes a reparative experience to have those kind of changes. But and it's to me, and that's, that's kind of why I, it's the, it's the reparative experience. That's the answer. How are you getting ah, there? Okay. Yes. That's the answer to letting go of the past. Now that could be different for different people. Like hmm. it could be confronting a person if it's safe to do so. It could be writing a letter to someone who you can't confront physically. It could be going back to a place that you placed a um, you placed a meaning on that that it doesn't need because it's yeah. just a, a location. It could be confronting a feeling um, that you're afraid to uh, confront. But at the end of the day, it's confronting that thing that you have not been able to confront or the, you have not allowed yourself to confront for whatever reason. And then you can let it go and then you can move on to the future. Yeah. So, so my answer is, uh, and I think we're on the same page here. It's just different language. It's like, you can't let go of the past, but you can change your relationship with it. You yeah. can accept okay. that it's there mm -hmm. and decide to not let it control you. Right. Yeah. Cause I think of like, you know, if you were like abused in your, in your childhood and that has resulted in making you a really angry person. Right. And so you're quick right. to anger as a defense mechanism because that protects right. you. And right. like, you can be aware of how your past shaped you into the person you are today. And you can accept that that's a part of your past and change mm -hmm. your relationship with it. But sometimes right. you're still just going to get really angry and that'll probably be like a lifelong thing for you, you know, but True. like you could change the frequency of how often you get angry or how long you stay angry by using different coping mechanisms. Right. But I don't think you can like 
fully let it go and that's why i kind of use that as say like you can loosen the grip but like yeah and like not let it control you and like have more agency or power over it but i think it's like it's always there you know yeah (laughs) for me you know we've talked about how uh i was a drug addict and i'm sober now and like all the mistakes that i made when i was a drug addict are like it's like the smell of dead bodies in my past and so Mm -hmm. Even as I'm like nine years out in my sobriety and I've like had all these amazing accomplishments in my life, there's still that nagging voice in the back of my brain that says, you're going to mess everything up because that's what you did before because you're still right. just a heroin addict. Right. <laughs> like, and I have to change my relationship with that, but that will never go away fully. Right. right. I feel like it's like anxiety in a sense. Like I suffer from anxiety a lot growing up. Um, I still suffer from it. But because, like we talked about before, doing the work on yourself and confronting a lot of the issues that you that you're dealing with, I can still feel feel anxiety, and I do. But like you said before, it's not it's not it's to a lesser extent, and also I know that it's not uh, it's not real. Mm -hmm. I know that's just something that exists because of whatever happened in my past. But I can push beyond that, and then once I do push beyond that, I feel you know like I can receive that that. happiness or whatever that feeling is that I want to receive from that experience, you know, because I've confronted that anxiety and I've dealt with it. Yep. So tell me about, you said like, it's not real. What do you mean by it's not real? I would say we have a certain way of seeing the world based on our experience, based on what, you know, what we've uh, experienced growing up. Um, And so, yeah. And so sometimes we see, we make a conclusion about how the world is based on that experience Mm -hmm. and how things function and how people are. And then, but once you start getting therapy and you start working on your issues and you start realizing that this stuff is, is not true, it's just based on your experience. So now when I'm in that same situation, I don't have that thought that that's just how it is. I have a thought that this is what's happening right now. I know that this is the feelings that I'm feeling are based on my experience with this specific issue, but I know that the outcome can be different because the reality is, I don't know what the reality is going to be. Just because something happened a certain way when I was younger that's, doesn't mean that's what's going to happen now. Yep. Just like the controller example you gave earlier, right? Right. You put right. that controller down, a bunch of people in that room are all going to have different, you know, perspectives of what that controller means. Some and what's happy, funny is some that... Some neutral, some bad. Yeah. And what was funny was that when I said to them, it's just a controller, they all got it. You know? <laughs> yep. They got it. It was like, Wow. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else is just yeah. It's interesting cuz it is just a controller, but it's also mm-hmm. not just a controller, you know. Right. No, <laughs> well, it is just a controller, but how we feel about the controller uh-huh. has nothing to do with the controller. Exactly. It has to do with what our, you know, our experiences around that and what it means to us. Mhm. And that's that's why, been my experience. I've had to do a lot of work on myself over the years to try to um, to get to where I am now. Uh, it has only happened because of confronting stuff that I didn't want mm-hmm. to confront. And this is why, like, you know, Pavlov's work was so groundbreaking, right? And why it's taught in every Psych 101 class and every psychology major, you know, reads about it, at least in some part. Because it's all conditioning. It's all okay, that explain is. explain it. 
Explain what like, you mean. Right, so, like, Pavlov's dog, you know, uh, he would ring a bell every time before he brought food out, and the dog would salivate for the food, right? So, the, the food causes the dog to salivate. Um, right. That's the unconditioned response. Uh, and then, but, oh, no, wait, sorry. The, wait, the bell was the... I'm not going to use the science terms here, but food <laughs> makes people naturally food makes you salivate. It smells good. You put it in your mouth. It tastes good. And, right. but see so the Pavlov would ring the bell every time he brought out the food. And then eventually he stopped bringing out the food and he would just ring the bell and the dog would salivate because now he's been conditioned to salivate every time Pavlov would ring the bell. Exactly. And so that's what happens with like the controller, right? If you're, dad beat you with a controller then you're now going to be conditioned to associate that controller with pain when the controller right. comes out i'm in pain and the feelings that you have about that controller are going to be negative mm-hmm. exactly and the and same so thing the poor little albert right with <laughs> making him afraid of the uh uh the, the white fur um every they would bring out furry objects like a rabbit or a mouse or just like a piece of fur and then they uh -huh. would like bang on like tupperware or something and make really loud noises and then the baby would like freak out and then eventually they would just bring out a rabbit and every time poor little albert saw anything with white fur he freaked out right <laughs> like traumatized right. the baby to be afraid of white fur yeah it's like training the elephant where when they're young you put a chain around the ankle and so whenever they try to break free, they can't because it's too strong. And then by the time they get like become a full adult, you can just put a string around the ankle and they won't move because they, the assumption is that just like no matter how much I pull, no matter what I do, it's not nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. And so my belief is that, and I think the belief of a lot of therapists is that that is true. That is that has been your experience. Let me show you now how to. Let me show you now that that's not the reality now. You know, and so and it takes some work, but you can train the elephant by like sh helping it break that string. And then eventually um, the idea is that eventually they'll break it on their own. Yep. But I also think that elephant and this is with comes with a lot of assumptions that elephants have like a, a conscious state of mind like we do, or at least an advanced state of consciousness like we do, or they look at the past, present, and future. But I would imagine if an elephant's brain works like ours does, even though they've learned to break out of that string, they'll right. every time they look at the string, they'll be like, that string used to confine me. Like, I've now learned that it doesn't have to, but I'll always remember that it did, you know? <laughs> right, maybe. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, also, it's possible it wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think one of the reasons we don't do the kind of studies that we did on Little Albert anymore is because they're considered unethical. I mean, we, like, traumatize him. I'm pretty sure uh, Little Albert was probably afraid of white fur for the rest of his life. Right, probably. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> you know? I would not doubt it. And Pavlov's dog probably, if he's, I mean, he's probably not alive anymore, but Pavlov's dog probably salivated to the bell for the rest of his life. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think we both kind of agree here. It's like, I, 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 I like the empowering idea of the statement of letting go of your past, but I mm -hmm. also think it's a little misleading because I think you can't fully let go. Um, yeah, I think yeah. you can change your relationship with it, accept it. I think a big part of it is acceptance and understanding. Yeah, um, yeah. And I really like the piece that you bring in, which is like, um, you have to go back and face it. 
Yeah. In some way, shape or form. I mean, if you, for me, I like, I take a different, my approach is that, or my belief is that you can let go, but I mean, you're letting go within the realm of, it's still going to be a part of you, but it's not holding you down anymore. Like I look at it as Mm -hmm. like, I'm carrying this heavy ass backpack that I've been carrying all my life. And it's because I have all this stuff that I haven't dealt with that I'm holding on to. And no matter where I go, no matter what relationship I get into, it's always there. Now, mm-hmm. when I go and confront whatever it is that's in that bag and I start taking each one out, that 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 backpack may still be there. But what's in that bag is no longer there. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, and it goes back to our conversation that we had last week that um, you can uh, you can you can be in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic. You can be in a relationship with someone who is uh, passive aggressive or whatnot, um, as long as you are or as long as they've done the work. Right. Because you're right. You do carry it on with you. But the weight of it, it may be different, you know, mm-hmm. if you actually confronted it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For me, it's about a, a, like awareness. That's what I always circle all my therapy sessions back to is like increased awareness. And so uh, what do you mean? It's like understanding yourself. And, uh-huh. and how your past has shaped you into the person you are today, or just even how your process is in the present. So we'll go back again right. to, the, to the example of the controller is like understanding like, oh, well, yeah. So when I see a controller, it reminds me of this bad thing that's happened. And then that creates a bad feeling in me. And then what do I do with that bad feeling? Um, right. And it, usually if it's a maladaptive behavior, that's something we can work on. We can like, okay, let's... Uh, change the maladaptive behavior that you use to cope and let's put in a different coping mechanism that's less maladaptive Um, right but to me it's all about understanding that cycle of like you know what is the activating event such as the trigger like the controller and then what is the thought that comes up and then what are the feelings that come up and then what are the behaviors that follow um and then what are the consequences of those behaviors right yeah um very much like a cbt (laughs) <laughs> little cycle loop right. there, but I think that's why I gel with that with that um method so much. Um because it I guess because it makes sense to me. Like I know that a lot of the the, the way that I act now is based on uh, whatever my interpretation of the world and whatever before when I was younger. Um and I've been able to do a lot of work on that, but that's because I've been able to process and understand what that means that this world that you have right now is a world that you created based on your perception of how the, of your experiences growing up, you know? And so mm-hmm. I really like that method. Now I understand now that it doesn't work with a lot of people, not everyone, uh, because they have to be able to understand that they have to be able to grasp that concept and be able to uh, communicate and talk about it in order for it to make sense to them. And um, I guess from my experience, I found that a lot of people do grasp it, but there's also some people who don't grasp it. Because when I first started using it, I thought that was the end-all, be-all, you know. Um, right. Now I realize, no, it's not the case. It does. It is helpful. And if you're really strong about using that, then you should find people who gel with that as well. When we're talking about that, you mean going back and revisiting the thing in the past? Facing it? Specifically? Um, and, well, because you were saying that it's... Uh, that you were talking about CBT and how that. Oh, you're talking about CBT. Yeah. Okay. CBT. Yeah. Got um, it. Yeah. For me, that's, that has been eye opening for me uh, mm-hmm. in understanding myself, understanding my past and how I got to where I am. 
But again, like I was saying, I understand that that doesn't work for everyone. No, it totally doesn't. Some people absolutely hate that approach. And mm-hmm. actually, when I do it, I don't do thought records. So I, do, I definitely don't do manualized CBT or make people pull mm-hmm. out workbooks. Um, and that's actually really great for a lot of people. But my brain doesn't work that way. Um, I right. hate writing and I hate reading. So I'm more of like just a talker. And so for me, my sessions are more social and interactive. But I will discuss that cycle with right. the person verbally and then ask them to reflect on it. Um, yeah. But it's usually it's more of like a guiding them through the process where it's like, um, you know, we'll once again, bring it back to the controller and be like, what happens for you when you see this controller? Um, okay. So you remember this, you have this thought about uh, your dad hitting you with the controller and then, uh, okay. And so then what happens after that? How do you feel when you think about that? This is how I feel. I get angry or I get sad or scared or whatever it is. And then what happens after that? Um, Well, usually I uh, go like have a cigarette or (laughs) drink some alcohol, (laughs) you know, whatever. I'm going with an example of a maladaptive behavior. And so then I'll usually, you know, throughout whatever process we're doing this, I'll be like, are you starting to see your process and are you becoming more aware of it so that now next time it's happening to you rather than being an autopilot you can be like oh wow this is happening right now and i have a choice to interrupt the cycle and do something different yeah but yeah you're you're 100 right some people really hate manualized cbt and honestly as a clinician i don't i'm not a big fan myself (laughs) right and some people might even respond to like some people like an inside oriented approach isn't good enough either. You know, um, I've, you know, it's everyone's different and that's why yeah. I also like, um, and I think there's a lot of similarities between these approaches we're talking about. I like what you're talking about, which is like kind of going back to the past and like facing it. So maybe that mm-hmm. is actually going to that hospital that scared you or like, writing a letter like you said right. to a family member that hurt you and most of the time right we won't send out that letter um but it's like a an exploration of those emotions and seeing where that goes i like i love that right. approach too some people would love that approach and then other people might not right right and it's just uh, whatever works you know it's like adapting your uh, adapting where you work with your clients so that um they're able to to so that they're able to Get that therapeutic experience they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I personally love the term in CBT, uh, and in CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. For those of you that you know listening that don't know what that is, um, what that stands for, I love the term formative influences or formative experiences because you know our topic today is how do you let go of the past, right? And to me, like the past is a bunch of formative experiences that formed you into the person you are today, right? Right, yeah.